Hello, how are you doing? I'm Craig Parkinson. You are listening to the Two Shot Podcast. Sit yourself down, pop the kettle on. We're going to have a nice old chat. Who's it with this week? I'm going to tell you right now. How the devil are you? Now, it may seem like I'm whispering, and in a way I am, it's because I'm, I'm quite tired, if I'm honest. Yes, I'm still in Manchester. Am I here for a long time? A long time? A long time. Uh, I'm here for a bit more, but I've got to get this intro done now on a Monday night. I don't want to break the podcast illusion. Uh, but I've got to record this now because I've got to move tomorrow down south for a few days and I need Griff to get this sorted, which he's going to do, you know, because he's the best. Um, what have I got to say? I've got so much to say and I'll try and keep it brief. First off, a massive, huge thank you to all of you for your comments and downloads. Um... John and Laura McClaw, yes, you're right, you heard it. They are top, top people and bloody gorgeous people to hang out with. And I would happily spend time with them and call them my friends any day of the week. And you should too, because they're fucking brilliant. And then what happened? Well, we only met a bloody legend, Niall Rogers. Oh, my God. God, were people buzzing about that? I was buzzing for like two days afterwards. Um, he's so warm. He's so kind. You heard it. Um, he answered all those questions. And that format for me was so weird. It was so different. And I'll be honest, I was nervous about asking questions to a person. That's not what I do. I have a conversation with people. I don't ask questions. So to do that was well out of my comfort zone. But I had a thought that I may do that more with certain people, especially in a live capacity. If I meet people for the first time and I don't have an hour with people, that might be the way to go. And maybe I'll get better at it. Um, But yeah, I think I'm going to start doing something like that. That might be quite good. Onwards to next year at Candle Calling. Maybe what we'll do is we'll have this... Uh, the two shot podcast, the the legend slot, and well, uh, it's funny because we asked a, a certain legend who was performing this year at Candle Calling to come on and do this slot months ago, maybe six months ago when it first got announced, and uh, yeah, we got blanked, we got no response, which was lucky for us. Because we got Niall Rogers. If you haven't gone back and listened, please do. Because the, some of the little stories and anecdotes that he comes out with, you aren't going to hear him anywhere else. It's Niall Rogers. I have to pinch myself all the time because of that. Um, so this week is episode 93. And I'd been in talks with this week's guest, which is Jessie Cave, who I adore. I'd never met, but I adore her work uh, 
for a long time. And then myself and Griff were in London for two or three days. We finished certainly one day of recordings. And I found out that Jesse was at Soho Theatre reprising, 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 reprising a show, <laughs> Sunshine, Sunrise. I always fucking do that. Sunrise. And I texted her, I went, you're sold out tonight, but I would love to come. Uh, I'm not asking for a freebie. I don't do that, but I'll pay. Anyway, she got me a ticket on the door and I went to see it. Now, there'll be some of you that have seen it and it is a beautifully honest depiction of a relationship. And not just any relationship, but their certain relationship. Uh, Suffice to say, I left the show elated and slightly teary. Um, I I did cry. It was brilliant. It was so brilliant. I didn't see Jesse at the end. Because now we've had this discussion, I know why I didn't see her at the end. She She was going through a lot of stuff. Now, I've got a preface this episode because it deals with certain topics and subjects that are of a sensitive nature. We deal with death and grief and how to handle things and how we navigate life uh, when trauma comes in our way. So, yeah, if you're not in the best place... Don't listen to this now. You don't have to. It's going to be there. It's not going anywhere. But it's fair play that, you know, I've got to warn you about this. I don't want you listening to this thinking it's it's all fun and games because it really isn't. But it's an important episode and it was very important for Jessie to come on and talk. And I'm so grateful that she did. Had I known, because I'd never met Jessie until she came in and recorded this, had I known you know, where she was within herself, there's no way I would have said, yeah, come on, let's do it. Because you know that we look after our guests, we support our guests. We're not, you know, press. We're not uh, crude in any way. We support what what, what they do and what they want to do and what they talk about. Um, But I think it's really important that I let you know what goes on in this episode. So look, don't be scared. If you're in a good place, listen to this. It will enrich your life. She is incredible. Um, I was a big fan before. I'm bigger after this. She's just brilliant. And stick around for the intro because she's up in Edinburgh this year doing Sunrise for the last... I think it's 10 shows, 9 to 10 shows she's doing. I'll give you the dates in the outro, okay? But look, thank you so much for being here and downloading and sticking with us. Episode 93, guys. Episode 93. Okay, I've waffled enough. I'm very sorry. I'm very dramatically tired. But uh, let's do this, okay? This is episode 93 of the Two Shot Podcast with the one and only, the individual that is 
the beautiful Jessie Cave. Enjoy, and I'll see you at the end. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. But she's like the token person that you see reading out the tweets. Essentially, Jessie. Um, <laughs> How did you? Th- what did you think of that when that happened? Because I was like, I get what you mean, but you've just done it in the wrong. You've said it in the wrong way. And I went in, and the whole script is really crude. It's all about shit, and I'm not good at talking about shit. Like I'm just like, and I wanted to say to them, I thought I'd have the guts in the room to be like, it, you wouldn't if if this was me, because I'd have to write it too. I I would be. I wouldn't write. I don't that. have to do crude stuff, no. do I? But I didn't. I just did the crude stuff. I felt disgusted with myself and I did it. And it was on autocue. And the woman kept doing the autocue too too slowly for how I spoke. So I just, it was just a mess. And I felt so shit about myself. And then they were like, do you mind just reading for this um, other female sketch show that we've got? Um, do you mind just reading now? And if I had read it, I would have said like, no way, it's awful. Like, no, but because I was in the room and they put the pressure on me, I had to be like, yeah, of course, yeah. I sat down and I did it and it was just awful. And then I left the room feeling like, those are two projects I shouldn't have done, like shouldn't even be reading for. And I just, I felt just so gross, you know? You you f- just, you're just too scared to say, no, that's actually, I'm, I shouldn't be doing that. Are you- because unless you keep working, yeah. you're not going to get the job. So I need to seem like I'm... That I need those jobs to look like I'm still working so that I can still do my stuff. I know, but so. then again, you need, you need to do the right jobs that connect with you. Yeah. So then that can facilitate doing your own stuff. Yeah, but then it's like so long a gaps between things that actually are right. And then you might not get the audition for the right thing because you haven't been seen. So like I find it constantly like every so often I'm like, I, oh, I actually really need that one because that would buy me a few more months of not working. Yeah. So I can do my own stuff. So do, you, do you feel that under pressure when you go into the rooms of stuff that you don't want to do, that you want to please them? Or can you, do, you, do you not feel that you can be 100% you and be honest? I am, I am now, but it means I'm not getting any work. Because <laughs> I'm just being to myself. So, and whereas Bibi, it's, it's so interesting because she's... Like, she doesn't... I mean, it's so awful that it comes down to such basic descriptions of people, but, like, she doesn't wear glasses. She's not quirky. So she's much more like leading actress type person, and the roles that she's go she goes up for. I mean, she auditions all the time. Um, she's much more able to be different people, but I'm, and I'm not. I'm much more like I'm just me. Really. Well, because you think people see you, and that's all they see. Yeah, they can't imagine sort of taking the glasses yeah. off and just taking the hair down. Yeah. And just, well, so, and I sometimes do play ball and I do that kind of thing, but like, um, it's. Would you not I, think you're true to being who you are if you do that? Yeah, and, and so now I've decided I just write, I just writing it. Um, but I have been writing it for a long time, and it's like taken forever, but it's slowly getting there. But I, I just made that decision, like I'm never going to be the leading person. I've got to write me as the leading person myself. What does that do to you and like happiness? Does that sort um, of chip away at you? No, partly because I've been lucky with how well it's gone with writing. Yeah. Which has given me confidence to keep writing. And so... Did you lack confidence before? 
yeah, and I only wrote... I, I only wrote because I thought that... I know, I think I've, I've more, I feel like more naturally a writer than an actress, but, like, I feel like if I didn't... I was lucky not to get work early on and have to find a way of surviving. <laughs> to create your own yeah. material. So right. very early on, it was like, right, you're, you can't just be an actress, that's not going to make your living, so you've got to do something else. So from day, you know, very early on, for now a decade, I've been doing two, two or three jobs at the same time. Yeah. Whereas I think for actresses who've grown up, acting and got quite lucky early on so that they got into a lulled into a full sense of security of like oh you can just work and that you keep working mm. and then they hit a moment in their mid-20s where they're like oh actually I haven't got a job for a bit oh I'm going slightly insane um and they don't have any tools but they to, don't have an outlet that you have no. that you can just sit down and you can start yeah. writing the next show yeah but also because I started as an illustrator and so that's still my main day job um I, I'm, my identity is much more in those things. So, but it's so dangerous because then you get an acting job, and it's nice, and you're treated really nice, and you're like made to feel like it's really important, and then you get sucked into that, and then your ego comes back, and then you're like, oh no, I could, I could see myself as doing this, and then you don't get another job yeah. for months. It's like it's just like constantly fighting with your ego to like just try and remain at a nice level. So that you never get too big and you never get too low, so that you can keep working in that's, some form. That's really hard. Yeah. Because it is a roller coaster. Mm. And, you know, sometimes the bad days do outweigh the good days. I mean, I don't know anyone, I, I don't know very, I, I don't know many actors who are happy. <laughs> it's true. Oh, I, don't, I don't know any. But, but I know loads that are putting on. Yeah. The facade of everything's fine. But everything's that's the same fine. with comedians, though, because I spend more time with comedians. And oh, it's God, the, yeah. It's the same, that, like, it's... Everyone's looking for a break. But I don't think the, the breaks don't come... I think I don't believe in the break coming now. I've lost all hope of getting another job because of such rejection for so many years and such close things where you're like, oh, that could have been me. But it just wasn't because they chose that girl. And I think being that close to your life being different and seeing how different it could have been mm. by seeing the programme and seeing how their career went and seeing what job they got next. Do you do that? Would you watch... You do, it sometimes happens inevitably because yeah. you're just watching something. You're like, oh, yeah, I was I really remember. cut up about that. Yeah, <laughs> but you don't, like, seek it out and talk to yourself by going to look through it. I used to, but I don't anymore. Because it's so far away from my life now that it's like I um, I'm so out of the game and I'm in my own game. Like so, for instance, being at these thing, this thing on Sunday. Yeah. Um, I most people were there with a big production company, like publicist, agent. You know, like my agent and my public. Like, I don't have a publicist, but like the, like the Soho Theatre, for instance, um, the people who produce the show. Yeah. Like. They all forgot about it, so I just turned up like on my they own. They forgot my, about well, it. Well, then no one like no one, no one said like good you know good luck today or anything like that. No one. Whereas I mean I, I just got dressed out of like my mum's bathroom and like to turned up with. I mean I could have it, I could have made it such a big deal, but I just thought well I'm I'm not going to do that because I don't have the resources to do that and I 
also didn't believe that I would win and I just thought there's no point. But then halfway through, I was like looking around and realising that we were really alone there. It was just me and my sister and everyone else had teams. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wait. I had a kind of a reason to have a team today and I didn't didn't get one. And, like, I felt a bit like, oh, is that the only opportunity I'm ever going to get at a thing where I actually have a reason to be there and I've wasted the opportunity? And then I thought, well, no, like, I'm going to make sure I have another opportunity and next time I'll be confident enough to have a team. <laughs> but I just wasn't confident enough to do that kind of thing this time. So I think I'll get there again if I work really hard. Were you more confident... Years ago, say like 10 years ago, to where you are now? No, I've never been confident. Never? No. Have you? Have you got more confident? I don't know if confidence is the right word for me, but sort of com- more comfortable Yeah. in in my own skin, I yeah. suppose. And that does happen as you get older. I feel I much more so. comfortable now. Yeah. And looking at BB and realising you just are a bit... Um, you're lost until you you're given until you feel like you've done good stuff. And then when you feel like a bit more capable and um, prepared for all types of situation, mm. then you, yeah, it's, it's less of a grind. I do feel like I'm more equipped now for life. Um, but that's probably being a parent too. I was going to say, are you, yeah. we, are you a confident mum? Yeah, very. And, and that was the only thing that I ever wanted to do. What, be a mum? Yeah, like that was, I wanted to run an orphanage. Like Did, I yeah. just desperately wanted to like have so many kids and 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 look after people and like, and, and that's what I thought I was going to do. But then I ended up doing weird, I went to art school and I just, I never got a boyfriend and then the first script I wrote um, after my first Edinburgh show was about trying to have a baby via sperm donation because I couldn't get a boyfriend. I was like, well, I'm, I've got to, got to do it somehow. I want, I want to have a baby now. And I was only 20. Was that something you were really looking into? And I into? did. And I actually went to a sperm clinic. Did you? Um, I got to the final stage. You had to have a psychiatric assessment, obviously, because yeah. I was 20 and I was wanting to have a baby. I was like, what is she doing? <laughs> um, and then they, I passed the psychiatric test, which I was really happy about. And then that they were like... so many boxes already. <laughs> <laughs> and then I didn't go through with it because I got a job. Like, and then I got onto that treadmill for a bit. And then I forgot about... But then I did write this script. Um, but, yeah, I, but I... And then I lost that with kind of being ambitious. And then, weirdly, I got pregnant by accident, um, like, on a one-night stand, and my whole life changed in night. With... Even, even if I hadn't have had the baby, and even if I had lost the baby, um, I remember that night being like, this is it. This is... My life is different now, because I know I want to have a baby. Yeah. And I want this thing to grow. You felt ready for it. Yeah, Yeah. and I'm ready for it. And and, and overnight, my ambition kicked in again in a different way. It was like, I need to to do as much as possible to to earn money for this child. So it was a different type of ambition. It wasn't like, I want to be in this thing and be this role. It changed because it wasn't about you. Yeah, it was about... Everything changes, it's all about this other person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and it's such a relief... Because then I was able to do work that was much more basic and, like, um, you know, tiny little jobs, um, which I was thrilled about because they were like, that's two days, that's it, that's one day, that's half a day, 
that's nothing. But yeah. like, it's it's money to live to pay for rent this month. And also, maybe sometimes with those types of jobs, you're not emotionally invested. So mm. you're doing it for the right reasons, which is to earn that bit of money to put that bit of food on the table to pay that rent to buy those nappies to get those clothes. Whatever it is, yeah. it facilitates that. Yeah. So you're it's you're freer. I yeah, think. much freer. And I also learn in a because I never get big parts; they're always little parts. Um, I started to appreciate that because I also appreciate now how different I am, which means I'm never going to be the the lead. Unfortunately, that's just the the way it is. Really, it's it's. Um, and then I realised that no one really. This sounds awful. I watch a lot of TV, but I realised the things I was going up for and the things that I wasn't getting. Say, no one really watched anyway. No. Like they never were that big. They never were the hit that I thought they were going to be when I didn't get the job. Um, and then when I did do little roles that were liked, like I did a tiny, tiny, tiny part in Black Mirror, and that cameo essentially, it was like a paragraph, but it was quite funny, did more for my career than any job I've ever done. And then you realise, oh, like, it's so weird, the business, because you yeah. don't, some things can just be so nothing for your career, and some things can be the just change change everything. You just don't know. You don't. Yeah. Know. You would never ever have thought that doing that, that in Black Mirror would have set fires around and sparked th- little things off. Yeah, and it makes it. It just changed my perspective. It was like it, I don't need to be aiming for big things. It could just be you. Just have to be good in the little thing you do, and if you're good enough in that, then. Someone will see it. Exactly, but that's all you need to focus on is just focus on you doing that job to the best of your ability and not thinking down the line of what's going to happen. Yeah, and then the other thing I learned, which I've only realised lately, so I've had a really awful time personally, um, like I lost my brother and my whole perspective on life has changed now that I've realised what it it can be Yeah. um, and how short it is and how fleeting... Everything is everything has changed. So going to auditions for like things that are really bad or things that for some reason are getting made when things that people are trying so hard to get made for years yeah. aren't getting made. I now have a sense of like can you swear on this? Like, yeah. Swear. Like fuck it. Like this it, I, I'm I'm just I just see through the bullshit now. Um and that is a gift from my brother because he just saw it. From the bit, so he he was expelled from Rada, my my little brother. Right. Um, and he has he he just from from going to a, a drama school like that, um, he he just immediately sensed it. He was like, "This is not for me. I am not going to work like this." And he just, I mean, he was he was just so known for just not conforming, just not conforming yeah. ever in his life. And I've kind of taken that on for, in in. From him going, I'm now like, right, I'm going to take that on for him. I'm not going to put up with this anymore. I'm going to see through the bullshit. And also, because I think before before it happened, I was like, no, I won't get that part because people like me don't get that part. Or, so you're already doubting yourself yeah, before. Yeah. So you're projecting the worst possible thing yeah. before. Like, so I've had scripts for years with 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 people and but no it won't get made because like my things don't get made like they always get rejected like the last hurdle they won't get made now I'm like no it is gonna get made and I'm gonna make it get made and I am gonna fight for him and it's just given me a new 
like fire, which is which is good. That's so positive, um, Jesse. That's really I good. I know. And then doing my so you came to see my show the night before he died. Oh, so like it's all like it's 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 like um and I had to go on. I had to keep going on to do them partly because it was sold out. It was like a a, a lot of money for me. It was it, I felt I'm so it made me realize um it how it can help, it can save you acting and it can save you performing it actually did for for an hour a night i was like in a dream world like i was actually able to to forget and to 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 make believe which is such a big part of it and why why doing good work matters yeah. because it does help people and i'm not saying my show helped anyone but it definitely it definitely helped me um, it helped me. <laughs> it, also, <laughs> it, it, also it also depressed you. It also, no, it didn't. It also made me uh, go into the toilets and have a little cry oh. after it. Because I texted you, I went, thanks, sorry, I didn't see you. I was just off there having a little cry. Oh. <laughs> but it was so fantastic. But we'll talk about that in a bit. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's made me realise that actually you can make something that is good and can help someone. Um, and, and it really helped you just switch off yeah. just for that hour. And my mum, like, so my mum, my mum comes to every show. She's basically my stage manager. She makes my props. Like, she does everything for me, um, and and all of my other siblings. Um, but she, it was like she couldn't obviously come immediately after. But she came the next week, and she started. She helped me set up again, and everyone at the theatre was so great to us and really supportive. And it it just helped us doing something practical. And literally putting the set up and yeah. and getting me ready and then going home. Like it was in in you know the immediate aftermath of the shock and the trauma. It was just tiny, doing tiny little things helped so enormously. And actually doing a doing a an hour of a show where I knew it front to back. I've been just finished my tour. It was I was I knew it inside and out. I'd done it over 120 times. Yeah. It was so good for my brain just to do something and to know I could do it and just to just to have an hour of let's pretend this hasn't happened yeah um and so yeah I don't know how I got into that but yeah it's just I I feel a new sense of fire to to try and believe that it could be me rather than before this happened um I think I would be like things like that don't happen to me um and and then we went to LA on a holiday I know it's not a, the immediate place people think what, of for a holiday. After you finished the show? Yeah, we just, show. just got back. From did, you, our, did you all go as a family? So I took my mum and my sister and my kids and my brother. Um, and I did have to do, like, a couple of little meeting things, which I only did, like, reluctantly, because I want to... I've always been scared of America, because I've been, like... Because I did have an excruciating experience in my early part of my career where I went to try and get a manager after I was in Harry Potter. Yeah. And I had, like, an awful time. <laughs> I was treated like an alien because of how I looked. I was told to lose weight two or three times a day. What? Um, I mean, I was a little bit bigger, but not that much bigger. I I was told to lose 60 pounds by somebody. (laughs) 60? 60 pounds? There'd be nothing left of you. What's going on? How could she know how much 60 pounds is? That's ridiculous. It was amazing. I was told to... I I had headshots done by a, a woman who did Disney Kids. Because I think she thought, because I was in Harry Potter, like, I, I could fit into Disney. And she saw me. She took my, the glasses off my face, which I find just... For people who don't wear glasses, I mean, people who do wear glasses would understand how offensive that is. Um, she, she said, I just had to fill in your eyebrows. That was the first thing she said to me. And then she proceeded to scream at me while doing my photo. And the photo she took looks like 
I am running away scared through the woods after something awful has happened to me. I look terrified in this photo. Anyway, so I was kind of going back to redeem myself after that experience. Um, and I would usually go into these meetings and be like, I'm sorry, my name's Jesse. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, my name's Jesse. Immediately apologising. Yeah. yeah, but this time I went in with things I'd written that they had liked, that they wanted to meet me for. And I was like, let's do this. Like, I was like, I'm not going to shy away from it anymore. I'm not going to be scared. And I, it's just so liberating. And it's awful that something like your brother dying can make you realise how great opportunities can be, how great life can be, but yeah. it, that actually has happened. But um, whenever something so deeply traumatic happens, you don't know what's going to come out the other end mm-mm. and how it's going to change you, do you? No. And I think I used to always get at him for, like, not putting himself out there, not, like, um, being more efficient or, or doing more. And then something like this happens, you realise, oh, it doesn't matter. Nothing nothing matters as long as you're alive and you're happy yeah. and you've got the people that you love and you've yeah. got enough. enough. Um, yeah, that's it, innit? Just, Everybody just, wants it all. Yeah. But sometimes it's all right just to have enough. Yeah. I've got enough. yeah. And I think, so, but then ironically now, realising that nothing matters and I, I, it's, a switch has gone and I've been like, well, why can't it be me? Why can't I actually fight and get in the race? Mm. Because, because if it doesn't matter, then it doesn't matter if I lose. Yeah, it doesn't matter no, if I fail. You've got nothing to lose. Yeah, exactly. And I think I used to see the race happening of like the industry and like the jobs people are getting and the things people are writing and the things you're not getting and and people and everyone just fighting for their place. And I used to see the race happening and be like, okay, I'm going to just go into my corner, my safe space, and I'm not gonna, I'm going to pretend that race isn't happening because it will it will hurt me too much to be rejected from the, them. And now I'm like, actually, I'm going to go in and I'm gonna I'm going to run. I'm going to try and I'm going to try and compete. Yeah. Um, because why shouldn't you be allowed? Yeah. I mean, yeah, but then but then you have a really sobering experience with an audition where you're treated like a piece of dirt mm. and then you're, like, crushed and you, for a minute, forget that you, you're really fired up and you're actually really excited about everything and you, and, and you just have that moment of, oh, I'm, 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 I'm not going to get that, I'm useless. And, from, and that's how destructive this job is. So you've just got to have somebody constantly with you, I think. Yeah. That's why it's quite good, the one with my sister just now. Because it's like, you just have to... You have to constantly have... kind of good things being told to you about yourself from somebody. And it never... It's, it's, it has to be you. It has to be another version of you saying it because no-one else is going to ever do that job for you. No. Um, you you have, have to say those things to yourself. You have to. And I never did. But now I'm like, right, actually, you know, what do I still have? What, what have I got to work with here? That doesn't matter or I'm not going to get that. It doesn't matter. But that's really healthy yeah. to do that. Because you your own support network sometimes at the end of the day if there's nobody else there. Yeah. It would be nice to have more su- support network from... I don't know, but then it's so... Auditions in general, like, I find people are really nice to you. So when when people are just rude or... But I think when people are rude in that situation, we have to stand up for ourselves yeah I, because but then you're worried that people are gonna it's gonna get back to somebody well well fair fucks if it's gonna get back to somebody mm. i'm sorry but if you're being treated if anybody is treated 
or disrespected like that in a room, they should stand up for themselves. They should, and whether that manifests itself in saying it there and then, or you leave and you pick up the phone and you go, do you know what? I've just had a really terrible time and I'm going to tell you why and I don't yeah. think that's right. Yeah. Because if they're saying something like that to me, what they're going to say to somebody who's like 21 and they don't know anything, they're going to think that that's the norm, that that's acceptable yeah. and it isn't acceptable. Oh, I thought I thought it was for so long. Um, and I'm really glad that I feel like it is a little bit different in the industry now. I feel like people are much more accepting of difference and like people being... I don't know. I, I've, I feel like a, about 10 years ago, it was much more straightforward. Everybody was much more um, taking themselves really seriously. I think hopefully it is a little bit different now. But for a long time, I, was, I had really bad experiences time and time again at auditions or in jobs. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't say anything because I thought that would affect me getting another job. So um, many people do think that. Yeah. Still. No. And I thought, oh, oh, I'll be blacklisted. I'll be blacklisted. I won't, I won't ever get seen by that person again, or I won't ever get seen by that director again. But I do think I was. I, I genuinely, <laughs> which is why it's really scary, because I'm like, I, I, I genuinely think that because I said something, I didn't work for a long time in, in theatre. Um, and is that where you wanted to work, though? Well, I would have if I got it. Yeah. I would have, I, 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 you know... And and so I do actually think it does. I still think it does. There is some dark forces at play. Well, there is. You know, I mean, there's there's a team that people would say, oh, it's all right, don't worry, people have got short memories. And then there's the other side where you go, people never forget. Yeah, I think that's true. So it's like, well, what are we going to do? I don't know, but <laughs> I... You have to then... I don't know, it's... It, it's maybe quite liberating to be like, well, fuck it then. Like, it, it I, I suppose doesn't matter. You, you've got to make a choice at the end of the day. Whether, you, you know, I'd hate to think that anybody feels that they're constantly treated like a doormat because they don't deserve to be. You no. know, I talk about this time and time again. You know, everybody's, whatever job you're doing, everybody's got a specific role in that job. Nobody's, nobody's higher or lower than anybody else. So everybody should be treated the same. Mm. And it's only certain higher powers that would elevate somebody to a different position. Mm. And that isn't really on. No. Uh, I, I agree. It is definitely... Everyone has a, has a role and everyone has a reason to be there and everybody is just doing their job. But so many times I've been on things and I've been like, the hierarchy is just disgusting it, you feel like there, there is. You don't speak to that person. That per, you don't look at that person. Don't even look at that person in the eye. Kind yeah. Of thing. Um, and I think we're, it's it is one of those really strange things where it's just just accepted. Um, but it's I. It, I would like to kind of. Hopefully, if I do ever get another job, um, yeah, it would be nice to try and one day say something about all of it because it's it is. I have. Def- if I've had bad experiences on certain things, then, I mean, a lot of well, probably it, young actresses and mm. and men have had this kind of thing. Well, exactly. That's what I always think about, you know, just saying about that audition. And if someone's speaking like that to me, God, if they're going to be speaking like that to everybody else, and then you go, oh, maybe it's just me. Mm. Maybe Which, they just don't like you. Maybe just like me. Yeah. Which, you know, is probably right, to be honest. Yeah. No. <laughs> But yeah, I, I, it's it's so different in America 
with auditioning I find like it's so much more blunt they're just like if they don't even look at you almost it's like so much more like you're it's just a a meat market yeah Um, whereas here it's almost more scary because it seems nice they seem like they like you on the surface yeah so I don't know which one I prefer really I do feel more empty in America but here I almost get so hurt when they're so nice to you but you're investing in in that meeting as well yeah so they're going they'd be nice to me therefore of course i'm going to be nice to you because that's reciprocated and that's what we do as humans and but then you take that out and you go oh, they really liked mm. me and then it's like going on so many first dates <clears throat> is, and and thinking that you fell in love and then realizing that person just you're one of a, a few dates he's had that week he doesn't actually <laughs> he really wasn't that bothered he kind of forgot about it before, until like 15 minutes before so because of that do you feel that you can't trust when you go into rooms sometimes. Yeah. The amount of... And I, I lost the trust a long time ago. Um, Do you the, know when that happened, when you lost the trust? Yeah, after a series of really near misses of, like, almost getting something that could have changed my entire life, yeah. my entire career, and then just not getting them. And the belief... You know when you just really think, oh, I did really well just then. Like, they really liked me. Everyone seemed to really like me. Like, I, I'm perfect for that. And then not getting them. And then realising, no, I wasn't perfect for it. Uh, or seeing who got it and then watching it uh, and realising that they weren't even that different to you or they weren't actually better than you. Yeah. It's just literally a decision. <clears throat> just, just they went that way. Um, which is completely out of your hands. Which is nothing. To, yeah, exactly. And um, You can only do what you do. Yeah. And realizing, okay, so it's just potluck, really. And you've put, you've done, I've done everything I can to get myself into that position. I've done well to, to get there. I did my best job in the room, and that still wasn't enough. Well, enough isn't the right word, but it, it still didn't work. Um, well, enough for them, enough or for, for what them. they wanted, yeah. And then just realizing um, it's just futile, even really hoping that you're going to get it. So now I don't even really, I don't have any hope. And I don't audition enough to get bruised. I mean, the more I audition, the more neurotic I get. So I'm lucky because I audition for kind of... I go in, like, bouts of doing little bits yeah. and, then, and then not for a while. Um, and then because I have these other jobs, like, I don't get so caught up about it. Um, but when I... Yeah, I don't even now believe I'm going to get it. Would you ever think about just cutting that part out of your life altogether. Yeah, I have so many times. But then I think it's like slamming a door and be like, I'm slamming the door now, I'm leaving, so you all should care, and no one being on the other side of the door, no one cares. No one's even... There's just an invisible... There's no one in the room. Um, No one would notice if I did that. (laughs) So so I don't think there's any point in me being like, right, I'm not going to audition anymore. Do you not think that would be freer, though, for you? Do you not think there'd be a sense of release? Well, it was in America, because I went to America just to to talk about the projects I have that are in development here. Um, And I was only seen as a writer. They didn't even know, really, that I acted. Right. And that was so funny, because it did come up sometimes. I'd be like, yeah, I was in Harry Potter, or yeah, I did did this, or I did that. And, uh, And they would be like, oh, yeah. Oh, and, and I'd be like, you don't realise how that, like, that, that's like getting cut. You just cut me on my arm. Yeah. You've just hurt me really badly. Um, so, yeah, I think that would be a few years down the line because I do get enough false hope every so often, like enough of an ego boost from auditioning 
um, to believe that one day I might just, like a 10p machine, one day I just might just... And then something happened recently which made me not quit. Um, what was so that? So I got a job years ago um, with my little... I played, like, the young... I won't say who it is, actually. But anyway... We can, so, look, we can beep anything out, so don't worry. Well, it doesn't... It actually is not relevant, but right. the casting director of it... Yeah. ...really liked me and took a chance on me. And um, it was quite a big film for me, even though my main scene got cut. It was still nice. Um, and, she, you know, at the premiere and stuff, I had a really nice chat with her. Like, I really liked this casting director, and I really believed that, oh... Because everyone would be like, oh, once you're in with that casting director, you're like, that's really good for you. And I thought, oh, my God, because she casts films I love. I was like, oh, my God, this is... That was years ago, and then nothing, nothing ever again, and no, no, no auditions even from her. And I just thought, oh, that's... That's weird, because yeah. like, I, I really thought she liked me. I thought that um, I thought she'd at least get me in the room again. Which is odd, isn't it? Yeah. When you think that, and then just nothing. Nothing. And then, this year, just after Ben died, um, just, got, just got an offer in. Um, to, it was only a pilot, but it's still a really... It, I really liked the pilot, yeah. and I was, like, really excited about it. And, and also how lovely just to be trusted and offered yeah, something. Yeah, she just gave it to me. Yeah. And it's the same casting director, and it was like... Oh, so no, she does like me. <laughs> she does. And this is like six years later. Why are you playing with my heart like yeah. this after all these years? And realising if you just make a connection with someone once, even if it's six years later, mm. it might change your life again. And I don't think it will get made or whatever, but at least but I've, she's not, validated that. But like, that's not the point, and you can't even think like that. She's validated that, and it goes to back what I was saying a while ago, that, you know, people never forget. No. And so, and actually for her, it might not be that long. Because maybe she, cause she does such big films, maybe it's, she does, like, two a year. Mm. Like, actually, this isn't such a long time. No. Um, but it feels so desperate when you're in those, those first few months or first few years of, of like, re- like it, it, yeah, it, it, time just moves differently for everybody. So that was, that was quite, like, reassuring, realising, you know, the good experiences I have in the room quite frequently with auditioning. Like, actually, that it is doing a job. Auditioning is a job. Well, it's part and parcel of it, yeah. Getting the part, yeah. yeah. Getting the part is actually just a part of that job. Mm. Um, so that's changed my outlook quite a lot. But you know you're talking about an ego boost before, which, fucking hell, we all need, you know. Yeah. Not in a masochistic way, but we just sort of need yeah. that. Do you not get that from um, sort of your shows? Now I do. Um, and... I think this entire experience with this show, because it's just done better than I could have imagined, yeah. and it's it's all come about from just writing honestly and sitting down and writing it just for me. Yeah, it, do- it doesn't really get more honest. Exactly. But, like, the whole process was honest. Like, I even when I did them... Because I didn't even think I was going to go to Edinburgh with it. I just... I was we were broken up and I was really low and I just found out that he had... So basically the show is all about me finding out that my ex-boyfriend in a year where I thought that we were going to be getting back together had actually fucked London. Um, <laughs> and I'd found out about the first batch of people he had had sex with and I I was kind of... I mean, neurotic doesn't doesn't define how... I was, I was really, really distressed. Um, and I went away for a little bit on my own. My mum was like, you just have to just go away and just try and... Right. Yeah. Um, and the, 
my little girl was really tiny and but I did and I went away and I just wrote it for myself um, and then I wrote it without the intention of it being a yeah, show ever so it was a real form of therapy just to get it out there yeah, yeah. it was almost like writing down evidence of how I felt at that moment of what he had you know been doing yeah it was like a way of me understanding what had happened um, and, and understanding act- how you're feeling at that moment as yeah. well. So you can see the words in front of you. And see what that it was over. Yeah. The relationship was over. Um, because I, don't, I didn't believe it until he had said that. And I didn't realise he was protecting me by not telling me. And actually, honesty isn't always the best thing. And what I had done is, like, grab him and get it out of him, the honesty. Yeah. And actually, that hurt me so much. It did lead me to writing the show, which I'm really glad I've written. But it's the whole process has taught me so much about um, about relationships and how you sometimes don't need to know everything about the person you're even with. It is actually better sometimes not to. Um, what else has it taught you? It's taught me that I'm okay on my own, um, which I just didn't think I would be. No, because you were just saying a while back, you know, well, I never had a boyfriend and all this. And yeah. now you feel... Comfortable. Yeah, I feel like I understand a mature relationship and I also realise that having sex with loads of people doesn't mean that he doesn't still love me. It's just something completely different. Yeah. And I think realising that there are so many different types of relationship and our version of a relationship is really weird, but it works and it it people wouldn't... Un- people just... I think people coming to see the show think it's going to be me getting upset about the fact that I've been rejected and getting and, and he's bad because he went and he had loads of sex with loads of random women when I was at home looking after the two young children. It's not that simple. No. It's so much more complex. And it's not that type of show. And it's not that type no. of show. It's actually me being the, the bad guy. It's me being the neurotic, kind of like slightly manipulative, um, one in control in a way. And... And I go on my own journey with, like, dating or whatever. Yeah. Um, and realise in that relationship that I don't want to be with someone. I want to... I'm actually okay doing it on my own. I don't need someone to come and save me with my children because I've got their father there. Yeah. And I've got, I've got my mum, my, my sister. I've got enough. Um, so it's just an... Un, it's a story of an unconventional relationship and an unconventional breakup. And, you know, ironically, now we are back together and it's, it's, it's weird because it's like... It's shown me that we've kind of cleansed ourselves of everything because we've destroyed each other. Like, I've destroyed <laughs> everything and we've both hurt each other a lot. Um, and it's quite, yeah, just for me. you put yourself back together and it's completely different yeah. to what it was. And we look normal. We look like we're just this normal, like, conventional family. Like, we were whenever we're out together which I do say on the show but like whenever we're out together I'm just always so I find it so funny because we must look like we're just oh they must have just you know got together and then decided to have kids like they're probably married like they have no idea how weird our entire relationship (laughs) is and how it's just chance like which is essentially what we did we took a chance we 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 had a one night stand I got pregnant and we just took a chance um but yeah so it's it's just been an amazing experience doing the show in general because it is my story, but by doing it so many times and by my own circumstances whilst doing the show, which is, at first, it was, like, raw 
so difficult to do out loud. I was reading it out loud from the script in front of an audience and I was kind of editing as I as went. When, yeah, whenever they laughed, I'd like write down when they laughed. Whenever they didn't laugh, I'd write that down. When uh, words that I, I, lines that I thought, well, what, why are they laughing at that? And then realizing actually, oh, it's because they're, it's, a, it's got a completely different meaning actually. To them, yeah, exactly. Um, so I, the whole way it was actually put together was so n- natural. Um, so that when I actually eventually did the show, so I had the guts to go and do it in Edinburgh and I did it in a tiny, tiny room to 40 people every day in the tiniest room. And it was like another form of just ex- exposing myself yeah. to strangers. Um, you know, you couldn't even get out the room by brushing past these strangers. Like they would, after the show, I would, I would almost cry every day. Um, it was incredibly just, just a complete, amazing experience but also quite draining and then when I did the show in a massive theatre like for me like the main theatre so theatre which has always been like my dream and it was like weird it was like and then to do it so many times and then to go on tour to so many different various theatres like big ones tiny ones um, it's now not really me anymore it's me acting so something I did to get away from acting has brought you back has brought me back so and then and then on top of that with Ben um and doing the show to kind of save me and my family, um, it's another form of acting. Yeah. So it's just, it's so weird, the whole experience. This show's done so many things for you. Yeah. You really look at it all. Yeah. And it's taught, and now we've written a pilot and it's with a channel and like, it's like, that's the quickest process, that's the quickest it's ever been for me. So I've been in development a lot of times. Um, but this, because they, but this is how small-minded the, the a lot of TV development yes, is. Yes, Unless they have a thing, which they've seen, yeah. has done okay. Um, they've got, like, the the, the play text. Mm-hmm. They can see it. Yeah. <laughs> and also, somebody else has been to see it. Somebody else has been to see it. They've, they've sent other people. And they've gone, you've got to go and see that. Yeah. So you just leapfrog yeah. right over to the other side so they of the like, development. They were like, just write the script. Yeah. And I did it. And it was the easiest process it's ever been. So after something which has taken a long time to develop and write, and it's changed so much from the, the first preview to the 120th show, yeah. and I'm still doing it, yeah. and it will change in Edinburgh probably. Um, it's the actual script writing was the easiest part of it. Um, and it was almost like adapting someone else's work. It was weird, because it doesn't feel like me anymore. Right. Um, oh, so it's an, is it an adaptation of...? Yeah, so like the, 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 the pilot episode is like the first scene in the play. Right, okay. Um, so it's just been the easiest thing for me to do. Yeah. Um, and it probably will get rejected by the channel, but... Stop saying... Stop but it probably proje- will. I know, but, but at least... Do you know what? Maybe it won't. Maybe it won't. Let's say it now. Yeah. Do you know what? It, do you know what? It might do well, Liz. Well, whatever the case, I have a script I'm really proud of, and it will, it will be used yeah. for other things. Like, if, if it will be used to be sent to other people. So even if this doesn't work... So now I'm seeing, like, with the casting director who eventually got back to me. Yeah. Like, this is a thing that a lot of hard work has gone into writing this... this, this the 30-minute script isn't... It doesn't even begin to summarise the amount of work. So it's, it's just been... It's been... It's so embedded with other things, yeah. the whole thing. Um it actually could be something for me in the future that might be something different. Um, so, yeah, it's been a brilliant journey and something that I don't think I'll ever do again. Like, now, it's... What, in a, in a that 
in the content where they, that that sort of confessional. Yeah, I don't think I'll ever do that again. Um, because it's just what what it means is that you uh, people think then that's all you can write about. Oh, and that's your style. That's yeah. what he or she does. They just scoop their heart out and they throw it. So it probably is all I can do, but I need to try doing something else. <laughs> no, it isn't. I don't believe that. I <laughs> think you can do many, many things. But yeah, I do feel incredibly um, vulnerable afterwards because they've just got everything of me and I don't know anything about them. So it's a little bit kind of discombobulating. Mm. But I really recommend doing it. And I really recommend that way of writing something. Um, of like sitting down in front of an audience. I mean, you have to have an audience, but usually they're people that like you anyway. And you hear them respond and you that informs your writing. Yeah. And then you go back with the edited version and then that gets edited. So it's been like, by the time I got to Edinburgh after doing it, say, 15 times, it was like 15 drafts. So it's, it's, a, re- it's a really good way of doing it. And that's a really important process to start the edit by mm. the, 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 oh my god people just didn't I when people I didn't realise how that is what write, writing is editing the sooner you do it and write the first thing just get it out because you're going to have to edit it a million times yeah so I think people agonise about actually putting one line down like getting the first page right or getting the second actually just just get it out and and that process then can begin do you know when you went away to write, even without the intention of writing the show, when was the moment where you went, oh, this is, this is going to be a show? Was there, was there a specific moment when that happened or did it just organically sort of grow? Um, I think it was writing down one story. So I think the show is like six stories. Um, and one of them I, I wrote because it was such a... Um, it's about me going to a Harry Potter convention in Paris. Yeah. And I remember I was like, if I... Because it was a really weird weekend. I mean, they're weird conventions anyway. But, like, I was like, I need to send this to Alfie. Because, like, we weren't back together or anything. Right. But I knew that he would be... up. Well, I wanted him to be upset. And I also thought... He always surprises me with how upset he gets about things that I didn't think he would get upset about. Like, because he's so secure and, and fine. But then I was like, let's just see... Let's see how he responds to this. So I sent it, because he's really great with me and my, my stuff. Like, he's always uh, very good at... He, I trust his opinion. Right. Um, so I sent it to him, and I was like, OK, so this is a story I've written. I just thought I'd send it to you, because basically I talk about him also with a... <laughs> I, I talk about going to have sex with him as well, to try and, like, prove that I can have uh, meaningless sex with my ex-boyfriend yeah. who I'm still in love with. Um, and so I said, so I, I really want to write about these two things and I just thought that you might have an opinion on it because you just basically, am I allowed? I mean, I would have done it anyway, but I wanted him to say, <laughs> yeah. you're allowed. And sure enough, he was like, okay, I'm not entirely happy with you talking about us having sex, partly because he was still shagging everyone and I don't think he wanted it to be known that I was also in the picture because that yeah. might jeopardise his chances because people would think, right, stay away from that because yeah. Jesse is a psycho. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I sent it to him and then it, he was like, it is really funny. That is quite funny. And I hadn't really thought of it as funny yet. Um, but it, it gave me the confidence to be like, actually, no, that is, it is ridiculous, some of the things I've done. And it's also ridiculous, the situation um, and the setting alone. Yeah. Um so I think that's what gave me the comments to be like, okay, it could be a comedy, 
But I didn't write it as a comedy. I wrote it verbatim of what, what had... I, what I think said. it's so many things. I really do. I felt loads of things when I, when I came to see it. Uh. Which, you know, ended up with a small tear. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, I think also, that's all right. That's good. Yeah. I, well, that's also what's so strange, because it has been called a comedy, where actually it's, it's a lot of fucking heavy stuff. Yeah. Um, and also, I think, because it is... I do talk about rape, um, and I had always been like just thought, oh, that would affect my career if I talk about the fact that I was raped by my tennis coach when I was 15. Like, that's going to affect my career. It was so stupid of me. Like, I mean, first of all, no one in any review that I've had of this, no one has even mentioned it because it's, it's not what the show's about no. and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be like, you don't... It's, a, it's an awful contradiction, but you don't hear many successful rape stories. Like, it's not that I had a... It wasn't a good rape. It was a bad rape. <laughs> but it was... I'm not destroyed... And I think so, so often people hear the word rape and they think, right, ruined. Yeah. And I don't want that to, to keep going on. I want it to be like, okay, you can have something awful happen to you and you can still be okay. You can still have normal relationships. You can still have normal sex. Like yeah. you can still have, you, you can still not be afraid of things. Like, and uh, I think hopefully that, that comes across too. I mean, some people sometimes even miss the, the fact that I talk about that, but like, um, Really? Well, I think I think someone said, "Oh yeah, you do talk about rape, don't you?" <laughs> like, don't I forgot know. about that. <laughs> but like, but that's also something that I did have to really consider doing, um, and I'm so relieved by the outcome of that. Yeah, I bet. How was Alfie when you went? Here's the show I'm going to be doing. I think of... he's oh, he's still. Yeah, I think he's really relieved. It's over and it's almost over because it's been a long time, um, and it's. It's really awkward sometimes with how much we talk to each other about our jobs because he's like he's a stand-up comedian. That's his job. That's his identity. <clears throat> um, I have just been quite lucky because I've done shows and it's been classed as c- comedy. Yeah. Um, and it's like I think he's sometimes like it's his territory, but um, and I keep getting in on it. <laughs> but um, I. I, uh, There's so many different forms of Yeah, he gets quite annoyed comedy. when it's called stand-up. And it's not stand-up. Well, it's, no, it's... Um, he, but he does get quite, like... It's he gets territorial about it. He gets a bit prickly about right. stand-up, which I find quite... It's true. It's not fucking stand-up comedy. Stand-up comedy... I couldn't go onto a stage and do what he does, which is rouse, you know, an audience. And I've seen him do... I've only actually just appreciated the difference lately because I've gone to see him do clubs... Which I've never really, I've never, I would never do clubs. I'm not a, I have puppets. Like I don't, I wouldn't be able to do a club. Yeah. But I've gone to watch him, and I've been like, oh wow, it's it's sometimes as, it's it's quite traditional. You go on and you do whatever you can to make that to audience that on a Friday night yeah. laugh, and it doesn't have to be, like very clever or ever, you just you make them laugh. That is your job, and then you go home. Well, it's a completely different skill set to, to something like what you were doing, specifically with that show. Mm. But. That's what really annoys me about him because he would actually be, uh, he he has this, he wants to be a comedian and that's all. But I think actually, he's I don't know I I have I could I I could just quit everything and just be his manager. That's what I want. But he won't <laughs> let me. Um, but yeah, so he I think he's quite uh, excited about me not just writing about him. <laughs> and is that what, are you going to go back to Edinburgh? <laughs> So I'm finishing it in Edinburgh. I'm doing like ten days, like to I, like so to finish it off because when I did it, it was to forty people last year. And now this is a massive venue for me. It's like two hundred, almost three hundred people. Oh, so this is the last time you're going to yeah, do so some just ten shows, and, and, and then you're out. And then I'm out, and then I'm doing 
10 shows with my sister. So we're starting the process of doing a new show and I'm doing it with her. Um, Which would that be for next year? For next year. Right. Um, and we're going to do the same thing I did with Sunrise, with just do it in front of an audience and edit as we go. Um, well, if that process seemed to work last time, yeah, why? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And even if it doesn't work, I think what we're trying to do is take control back with our lives. So I think with, with our brother dying and um, everything, I think it's, it's, so, it's like with the rape thing. People think you're ruined. And I think we want to go on stage and, like, be in front of people and to... We're not going to talk about it, but we're going to definitely, you know, not be afraid of, of, of showing people that we're going to keep going and we're, we're not ruined. Yeah. Um, which I think is... I, I just never even... Because I just... You don't think about this kind of thing happening. Um, and I never thought about how I would handle it, but I think the second it happened, I was like, well, that's it then. That's it. We're, it's, we're done. And I think after, you know, it's been it's so, so, so recent, but I think I have to do, I have to show people that that we're going to be okay um, and that you can still find humour in things. And, um, and that definitely is what's happened lately. I've realised that laughing, we've laughed harder than ever Um, And I now understand what comedy does for people. Um, So I think that we have a, we have things to say, but like, I, I, I don't know, we're, we're, we're still really early in the process. It's mainly about us trying to write together. Um, Have you done that before? We've tried to write together. Like I've, because she's so much younger. um, I've always written like sketches and stuff and she's been in them. Like my first Edinburgh show, I it was like a, the idea was a book club and I was the leader of the book club and she was my assistant, but she was 14 and we had this like little cardboard house and she would crawl out of it and I would be horrible to her. It was very, very basic, but it, it, was, it was really fun to do together. And I think what this experience has taught me with, with, with Ben and everything is like, I just want to have a nice time with her. I want to I make good experiences and do something in front of people and have a fun time with my sister um, and write something hopefully that makes people feel less scared about something happening to yeah. them which could ruin them like we're not we're not we're gonna make the most of living do you think you worry less now yeah definitely because i think i worry more about i think because of the nature of how he died um which was a, a complete accident um is it's 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 i've lost trust in the world because i've been like well, that could be the last time you see someone. You could say goodbye and that's it. Yeah. Now that I, that has happened to me. So I'm much more, uh, I say goodbye a bit heavier. <laughs> and I, I don't take anything for granted. And I think actually that's a gift. Yeah, it And really there are is. so many gifts he's given already. Like with, I now appreciate how amazing it is to actually live. Like, I think everyone, until something has happened, until they've experienced some form of loss, like, you don't realise how you take life, just a, a, just tiny little things for granted. And I think, and I won't ever do that again. I mean, also, I think I'm really lucky because of the age of my kids, so, like, four and three. Like, it's a great age. It's a great age, yeah. Because everything is, like, amazing. And they, everything is... They're so they're so present. Yeah, and I think that I lost for a long time. I don't think I've ever been so present. But I think we all lose that from time to time. And again, it's kind of a, a bit of a roller coaster. But if 
when we are present and we see everything just slightly differently and we do appreciate those things. Yeah. It's really important. And appreciating moments. So, like, I try and write down every day, like, just tiny things they've said or, or things that just pull me out of the sadness. And, I mean, the, the other day I was feeling... I, I, I've always... I've never been... A, um, I've never suffered with depression or anything. I've, I, I mean, like, I'm a highly anxious person, but I've never known what it means to be depressed... Um, and I've like I've had fam- like I've had close people to me be depressed and not quite got it. Yeah. Now I now I get it. Yeah. Um, and I realise the weight of that, and so I'm starting to feel like uh, mo- days where I'm like, oh, I think this is I think that's depression actually, which I I, I can't believe it's taken me this long to, to to feel that I'm very lucky. But the other day, um, like I was lying down on the bed in the day, which is quite unusual for me. <laughs> Um, probably because you don't have any time to do don't that. Don't have any time, but like my daughter, she came. She wouldn't. She noticed that I wasn't in the room, so obviously came to find me and was like, "Well, I'm not going to have her lie down," and just came up to me. And she's got tiny little arms, but she was like, "Pick your head up," and she put her arm under my head so she could just feel like she was like close to me. And she's basically looking after me. Yeah. And I just was like. It just brought me out of this moment of just such sadness to be like, oh, no, hang on a second. I need to be looking after you. Like, I, this is a, I'm a, I'll get up now. Like, and it just saved me. Um, and so, yeah, I just feel much more like alive in a way, which is just so annoying that this kind of thing had to happen to make you feel like that. But um, I, I just, yeah, I've lost trust with... W- I'm now kind of like quite prepped for disaster, um, which I think is a good thing because I'm more prepared. But yeah. Just like, but um, yeah, I think that that will come back. Apparently, you, you, apparently you get more, you know, like normal life does resume. But that's also weird because then when normal life is resuming, you're like, but hang on, this thing has happened. And that part of it, it, we're carrying on, but that part's missing. Yeah. The part that should be there isn't there. Yeah. But you're still saying that we have to carry on because life just doesn't stop. But then realizing. That, so it, like being on the tube and like I got a funny text and I was laughing and um, the, a train pulled in of strangers and I realised that anyone who had been looking at me from that train would have seen me just l- smiling at my phone and think, oh, there's a happy, happy woman. And they wouldn't know that that text was like so fucking dark about something that just happened, but like in a, in a, in a darkly funny way and it made me laugh. They, they wouldn't know the situation that I'm in, that, right, the horror of, of the situation. Yeah. Um, and then getting on the train and sitting with these people and them thinking, I'm just a happy woman. <laughs> and realising, actually, no, everyone has probably got their fucking awful thing that's happened. Absolutely. Just yeah. in a different way. Yeah. Like, um, and that's quite amazing, because I now have an empathy I didn't have before, that you don't know what that person's gone through that day, in that morning. But that's that thing when whatever happens, or someone snaps at you, or just something bad happens and it's directly to you and it affects you, You've got to go. Well, wait a minute. I don't know what's going on with them. So yeah. They're having a really shit day, and they've just taken it out on me. And tomorrow they might be absolutely fine. <laughs> yeah. But we don't know what's going on with that yeah. person. Oh, it's great realizing that. But I just did it just now after this horrendous audition. Just now, I then so it was quite a degrading thing. And then walking along with my sister, and then and then a, three schoolboys. They probably were about fourteen. Like. Bumped, bumped into me, really hurt me, and then walked on and didn't say sorry. And I, I just stopped. I turned around and I said, excuse me, excuse me, boys. <laughs> boys, you just hurt 
And they, I thought they were going to be like, oh, fuck you, bitch, or whatever. But they were like, oh, I'm really sorry. <laughs> and they were really nice to me. And I was like, okay, I probably look absolutely <laughs> insane. Like, I already look insane by how I dress. But now I just look, I just look so angry and horrible. And then I just felt so much better because I, I said, like, <laughs> So yeah, it's I I have moments like that more, which I wouldn't usually say. I wouldn't have usually said anything to them. You'd have kept quiet. Mm. Um, but I think I was taking out my anger at the audition on these schoolboys. Exactly. See, those boys now be looking at you, going, "It's all right, lads. We don't know what's going on with her today. She might be having a really bad day." Turns out she was. Jessica, yeah. Cave, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. That was really lovely no, talking to you. Thank you. I'm like, I've just been such a fan of you. <laughs> I'm so thrilled you came on. Honestly, I know we've been talking about this for ages, haven't we? Yeah, and thank you for sitting through my show. <laughs> thank you for getting me a ticket. I absolutely, you know I loved right. it. It's brilliant. Oh, thank you. And another episode is done. What an episode. Um... Myself and Jesse and Griff, we left Maison Better after that. We'd do some photos outside. It was a beautiful day. And we carried on talking for at least another 20 minutes, 25 minutes. And, uh, yeah. She's, uh, she's a one. She's just brilliant. Now, look, if you're in Edinburgh throughout, well, I say throughout, between the 14th and the 25th of August, Jesse is performing Sunrise, which you really do need in life. It's just such a brilliant show. She is at the Assembly George Square Studios, right? 6.30, August 14th to the 25th. Um, and it's a nice thing, right? If you've got a little bambino, if you've got a baby, babies. Don't require a ticket. You can take your baby free of charge. So scoop up the baby, go along, see Jessie, perform Sunrise, because I don't think she's going to do it again. I know she's doing something next year at Edinburgh Festival with her sister, who is obviously spoken about in this episode, which hopefully, if I've got time, I'll be straight up to Edinburgh. I'm not there this year. I can't be. I was there last year for a bit. And it was extraordinary, extraordinary stuff. Um, so, what do I have to say? I have to say, can you do me a favour? Right, you know this podcast is free. It's supported by you. You don't hear any adverts on here at the moment. Who knows, in the future. But at the moment, we've been doing this over two years. It's fiercely independent. And it's supported by you, the listener. So go to Patreon and click on patreon forward slash the two shot podcast if there's anything you can do to help us out that would be greatly appreciated but look that's why the patreon thing is so brilliant because if you can't afford it somebody's going to do it for you and then when you can you'll do it for somebody else it will continue to be free that's just the way it is and we'll continue giving you conversations with guests that hopefully 
you won't hear anywhere else. I mean, you might hear the guests, but you won't hear these exact conversations. I mean, in the coming weeks, I know for a fact, the next four weeks of guests have never done a podcast before. And also, we're lining up uh, something very special for our Christmas episode this year. All I'm saying is, it involves a previous guest and the fact that we're going to cook a uh, a Christmas dinner and we're going to record it as a podcast. Look, don't know. It's going to be fine. Nothing, what can go wrong? What can go wrong? It's going to be fantastic. Um, look, if you can't afford to support us in any way with um, a pint or a cup of coffee a month, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, but if you can, if you can, fantastic. If you can't, then go and tell people, retweet, post about it on social media, just tag us in because word of mouth is key for this. We would never be two years down the line and have the support that we have if it wasn't for you lot on social media. And it's fine that not all of you give us any money. It's not what we ask for. It's just the support. If the support's there, the episode's there, and that's the way it is. You can tell I'm tired, my voice is going. Look, I'm going to go, but uh, look, have a brilliant week. I'm going to get some sleep, and uh, yeah, look, please take care of yourself, look after yourself, and uh, be kind to other people. Unless people are not kind to you, in that case, fuck them off. No, I'm joking. Don't, don't, don't do that. Just, uh, you know, look, everybody has a bad day. We've all had those bad days. We've all been that person. Okay, right. I'm going to go with these stupid, ridiculous pearls of wisdom and the not. Don't listen to me. I'm just dead tired. Uh, until next week, I've been Craig Parkinson and he's been producer Griff. And this has been... The Two Shot Podcast. Thank you so much. You look after yourself, all right? I'll see you next week. Take care. Bye. The Two Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. Our music, our brilliant music, is courtesy of Then Thickens. Cheers.